0: President Trump fights back against the Democrats' impeachment. William Barr goes after the Obama FBI. And Miriam webster redefines the word they. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stop putting your online data at risk. Get protected at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Okay, so we're going to get to all the impeachment-related news of the day. But there are a couple of stories that we need to comment on right at the top here. Because the media malfeasance here is utterly stunning. Utterly stunning. And the malfeasance of many on the left is utterly stunning. The stories that I'm talking about, they're dual stories. And they're sort of connected by the the coverage of anti-Semitism in the United States. Story number one is that there was an anti-Semitic terror attack in Jersey City yesterday. It was Pretty clear from the very beginning that when somebody drives to a kosher supermarket in Jersey City, like the only kosher supermarket in the area, and then proceed to have a shootout with police, probably they were targeting the kosher supermarket because that's a really random location, right? Why aren't they just walking into the local supermarket? There, There are tons of supermarkets in Jersey City. You want to have a shootout with the cops? Presumably, you could go anywhere. As a Jew, your first suspicion, if somebody holes up in a synagogue and starts shooting at the cops or if somebody holes up in a Jewish supermarket, in a kosher supermarket, is that it's a terror attack. And we saw the exact same thing happen in France a few years back after the Charlie Hebdo massacre, I believe it was, when the suspect ended up driving over to a kosher supermarket and holding up there. And then Barack Obama idiotically suggested that these, these shooters had randomly holed up at a kosher supermarket. Okay, it's, it's very, very unlikely. On the list of circumstances, it is very unlikely that in a vast shootout with police, you just randomly end up with the only kosher supermarket in Jersey City. So as it turns out, it was not random. It turns out that the shooters in this particular case holed up at a kosher supermarket and proceeded to shoot at the cops. Six people are dead, including the two shooters. There is apparently a police officer, a 15-year veteran of the force with five children, who was shot to death by these pieces of human debris, as well as three people inside the store. All three were Jews and, and died in the store. According to NBC News, we are now finding out who these suspects are. There was no coverage of it for nearly 24 hours. Well, everybody sort of tried to figure out who the suspects were. And it turns out that one of the two suspects had a social media page containing anti-Jewish writings. Shocker, shocker. Officials and sources said on Wednesday, four law enforcement sources familiar with the case told NBC New York the suspects were apparently a man and a woman. I'm not going to mention their name. I don't mention the names of shooters or mass killers on, on my program. But the suspects were apparently one-time followers of the black Hebrew-Israelite movement. And the male suspect, there was a male suspect and a female suspect, apparently they were black, which is only relevant insofar as the media will only cover this stuff or have national conversations on anti-Semitism if the shooters happen to be white supremacists. If the shooters happen to be white supremacists or can in any way be blamed on President Trump, then we'll have a national conversation about President Trump and about ideology. And we'll have a conversation about the tenor of our politics. If, however, there's a radical spike in anti-Semitism in, say, New York City, which there has been in the past several years, Jews in Williamsburg being beaten on the streets in huge numbers. If that happens, then the media don't cover it. That's not me saying that. The New York Times said that in October of last year. They said, why haven't we been covering all of the anti-Semitic attacks in Williamsburg and Brooklyn, New York? Well, the reason is because none of them are coming from white supremacists. We can't spot a pattern anywhere. Well, maybe the pattern is the anti-Semitism. Maybe the pattern doesn't have to be your preferred mode of anti-Semitism that you can blame on somebody else. There's a very easy way to tell whether people care about Jew hatred. Do they care about it when the person who is committing the Jew hatred happens to be more politically aligned with them than the opposite? Okay, do you care about anti-Semitic attacks if it happens to be a white supremacist, or do you only care about anti-Semitic attacks if it happens to be a person on the left, or vice versa? If the answer is only one or the other, it means you don't care about anti-Semitism. Right? It means that you only care about the political hay that can be made from talking about anti-Semitism. So it turns out that the male, in this case, was a one-time follower of the Black Hebrew-Israelite movement. For people who don't know the Black Hebrew-Israelite movement, it's a nonsensical mishmash of horrible, stereotypical racism, and also a bunch of nonsense garnered from bad readings of, of the Bible. These are not Jews. They they proclaim in their ideology that they are a lost tribe, I believe, the lost tribe of the Jews, but the actual Jews today are not actual Jews. They are fake Jews. And surprisingly, it turns out that they don't like Jews, right? They don't like Jews very much. Shocker, shocker. Inside the van used by the shooters was a note with religious writings, according to the three sources. Jersey City Mayor Stephen Fullup said at a news conference on Wednesday morning, security footage from the Tuesday incident showed the shooters traveling slowly through the streets in a U-Haul van, stopping outside the store, armed with long guns and immediately opening fire. So obviously they were targeting the location. Public Safety Director James Shea said there were multiple other people on the street, There were many other targets available to them that they bypassed to attack that place. Shocker. So it was clearly that was their target. They intended to harm people inside there. Shea emphasized the shooter's motive is not yet clear and is under investigation. Yes, I am sure that they just really, really, really did not like the matzo ball soup that they had obtained from the kosher store three weeks earlier. It can't have been that they were targeting the kosher supermarket. Of course they were targeting the kosher supermarket. Of course they were anti-Semites. And of course, the black Hebrew Israelite movement has had serious problems with anti-Semitism for a very, very long time. It is rare that you're going to hear me cite... The Southern Poverty Law Center, because the Southern Poverty Law Center is fond of calling basically everybody who is right of center a white supremacist. But their coverage of the black Hebrew Israelite movement is actually true. They point out that the black supremacist wing of the Hebrew Israelite movement is spreading and its leaders are growing increasingly militant. This is as of August 2008. And they talk in, in, about the, the growth of the black Hebrew-Israelite movement. It's a black nationalist theology dating back to the 19th century. Its doctrine asserts that blacks are God's tr- true chosen people because they, not the people known to the world today as Jews, are the real descendants of the Hebrews of the Bible. It's, it's a bizarre movement. It doesn't have tons of acolytes, but obviously some of its fringe acolytes are dangerous. Three civilians were found dead inside the Jersey City store following what became an hours-long standoff and shootout between police and the suspects. The suspects were also found dead. The only victim identified so far is a Jersey City police detective, Joseph Seals, 39. He was killed after police investigating the murder approached the two shooting suspects, and one of them opened fire, hitting the officer in the head. So here's the reason this is relevant, okay? The reason this is relevant is, number one, whenever there's an anti-Semitic terror attack, it should be relevant. Reason number two is because this will disappear within 24 hours. You will never hear about it again. right? You will still hear about the anti-Semitic attacks at Tree of Life or at the Chabad in Poway. You won't hear about this anti-Semitic attack. And that is not based on the identity of the people who were killed or the people who were attacked. It is based solely on the identity of the people who committed the attack. Because we now live in a media world in which unless you can draw a narrative that you like from the particular act of anti-Semitism, you don't cover it. Okay? it again, it was pretty obvious as soon as this happened at a kosher supermarket what exactly was going on. It was just a question as to who did it. But that doesn't change the nature of the attack. Wait until you hear what Bill de Blasio, that tool bag of stupid, actually tweeted about this. It's, it's, it's actually incredible. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let's talk about your business for just a second. If you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. The fact is, if you want to run a successful business, you have to know your business inside and out. And the best way to do that is to not have a bevy of non-aligned computer systems trying to keep track of your business. Instead, you should be using NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting, orders and HR instantly, directly from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. It's hard to manage your business if you're using, again, a bevy of different systems that don't align with one another. Instead, you have an entire integrated business system with NetSuite. And right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Shapiro. That is netsuite.com slash Shapiro to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Shapiro. Go check them out right now, netsuite.com slash Shapiro. And again, make your business better, netsuite.com slash Shapiro, and you get that free guide. Okay, so, Bill de Blasio, this ignorant and horrific mayor of New York, here's what he tweeted out, quote, this tragically confirms that a growing pattern of violent anti-Semitism has now turned into a crisis for our nation, and now this threat has reached the doorstep of New York City. Oh, has it reached the doorstep, has it? Has it? Because, um... There is like a multiple-time spike in anti-Semitic attacks in New York over the past three years. Everyone knows this. There are FBI statistics to prove it. Anti-Semitic attacks in New York have spiked radically under Mayor Bill de Blasio. But apparently, he's only noticing now that anti-Semitism is a thing. Oh, isn't that nice that Bill de Blasio is finally catching on? How delightful. How delightful. Demonstrating once again that it only, when it it comes to anti-Semitism, it's only useful to people... Of a who don't care about anti-Semitism if it can be blamed on, on people on the other side. Okay, now I want to juxtapose the coverage of this anti-Semitic terror attack by black Hebrew Israelites in Jersey City with the coverage of a of an executive order from President Trump yesterday. So President Trump comes out with an executive order. It's a very simple executive order. I had heard about it a little bit in advance and the executive order is basically designed to extend Title VI protections on college campus to Jews. So Title VI protections on college campuses are basically designed to protect against discrimination based on shared ancestry, ethnic characteristics, race, national origin. So if a school is deemed to not take seriously racism, it could lose its federal funding. So there's a racist incident that takes place on campus, the school doesn't do a full investigation, the school could lose its federal funding. If there is a if there is a an attack on not just black, Native American people. There's an attack on Latino people on college campuses. If, you, if there's any of that, and the school doesn't take it seriously, it could lose its Title VI federal funding. Well, going all the way back to the Obama administration. There was a Department of Education policy that, that stated that discrimination on the basis of, quote, shared ancestry or ethnic characteristics, actual or perceived. If that's not taken seriously by the school, they could lose federal funding. That's an Obama-era policy. Okay, so I'm, I'm reading directly from the Department of Education website, these regulations were promulgated as early as 2010 under the Obama administration. Okay, so this is not new. It's just this has now become a full-on federal policy from the top of the executive branch. It's not just a Department of Education guideline. Okay, now it's actual policy. But these guidelines were first drawn up in Senator Harry Reid's office. Okay, they were first drawn up in Senator Harry Reid's office when they were first looked at by the Obama Department of Education. And here's what they said. Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects students from race, color, and national origin discrimination. This prohibition encompasses discrimination, including harassment, based on a student's actual or perceived shared ancestry or ethnic characteristics, or citizenship or residency in a country with a dominant religion or distinct religious identity. The DOE explicitly said, These laws protect students who are are or are perceived to be members of a religious groups such as Buddhist, Christians, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, and Sikhs from discrimination on any of the bases described above. Title VI prohibits discrimination against students of any religion when the discrimination involves racial, ethnic, or ancestral epithets or slurs, how a person or group looks, dresses, or speaks if linked to ethnicity or ancestry, potential or allegedly inherited traits, stereotypes about people who share certain ancestral or ethnic characteristics. Okay, so the school violates Title VI when harassing conduct on the basis of these things is sufficiently serious as to limit or deny a student's ability to participate in or benefit from an educational program, for example. So the school doesn't do anything to crack down and students feel discriminated against. It's basically sexual harassment law applied to racial or ethnic harassment on college campuses. Okay, so President Trump then promulgates an executive order. And listen to the way that the New York Times covers this executive order because it is some of the worst media coverage I've ever heard and it prompts some of the stupidest claims by people who hate Trump that I have ever heard. I mean, literally ever heard. And and then people make stupid claims about Trump all the time. Trump has broken a lot of people's brains. The fact that Trump is president has made a lot of people say dumb things they would never otherwise say. So, according to the New York Times, Trump targets anti-Semitism and Israeli boycotts on college campuses. The president's order would allow the government to withhold money from campuses deemed to be biased, but critics see it as an attack on free speech. Okay, first of all, you can make a libertarian case the Title VI of the Civil Rights Act violates First Amendment prescriptions, that really if people on college campuses decide to say racist or sexist or or anti-Jewish things, anti-Semitic things, that that should be allowed because the First Amendment is not allowed. Congress shall make no law abridging freedom of speech. Right? That's a libertarian case. That's a case I hear. But if Title VI exists, it should apply to Jews the same way that it applies to black people or Latino people or Native Americans or, or Sikhs or Hindus, obviously. So here's what the New York Times says. They say President Trump plans to sign an executive order on Wednesday targeting what he sees as anti-Semitism on college campuses by threatening to withhold federal money from educational institutions that fail to combat discrimination, three administration officials said on Tuesday. Now, this would be a good thing for Jews on campus. I know lots of Jews on campus. I know Jews on campuses like NYU who are routinely discriminated against by professors and students alike. The order will effectively interpret Judaism as a race or nationality, not just a religion, to prompt a federal law penalizing colleges and universities deemed to be shirking their responsibility to foster an open climate for minority students. In recent years, the boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement against Israel has roiled some campuses, leaving some Jewish students feeling unwelcome or attacked. Okay, let's be frank about this. The State Department definition of anti-Semitism does encompass some anti-Israel language, meaning that if you are, if you are, claiming that Israel is a racist Nazi apartheid state that is considered anti-Semitism, which it should be because it is, under State Department policy. Okay, but that does not mean that all criticism of Israel is now outlawed on college campuses or something dumb like that. Now, if you single out Israel among all the other states for behavior that you don't care about from any other state, that is a form of anti-Semitism. That has always been a form of anti-Semitism. Okay, the double standard is a form of anti-Semitism. This was acknowledged by the Obama administration. This is nothing new. Trump was just formalizing something that was already known, which is why this is a legal executive order. But here is the part that people are going nuts about, that coverage. Okay, so the New York Times says, the order will effectively interpret Judaism as a race or nationality and not just a religion. Okay, so let's be frank about this. Being Jewish is all of the above. It is all of the above. So I've gotten a lot of flack personally for saying that I don't care particularly much about ethnic Judaism when it comes to whether I take someone's opinion seriously on Judaism. And I don't care what Noam Chomsky has to say about Judaism. He doesn't know anything about it. The fact that he was born Jewish really has very little to do with any of his opinions on Judaism. Right? When when I'm talking about people who are speaking about the 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 Jewish mission or Jewish ideology or Jewish philosophy, I'm going to take more seriously people who take Jewishness more seriously. But when it comes to anti-Semitism, which is what this EO is about, when it comes to characterizing Jews, obviously Jews are, a, are an ethnicity. Obviously Jews are a nationality. And Jewish nationhood has been a part of religious Jewish thought since literally the Bible. Right When it talks about Am Yisrael, that means the nation of Israel. This is There's nothing new here. <laughs> okay, so the idea that Trump did something new by labeling Judaism race, nationality, and religion in the United States, that's nothing new at all. Nor is that meant to take Jews and then put them in a separate category. Now, as we'll see, people, because their brains are broken and they have lost all, I mean, like, they've lost all control of their mental functions, have decided that it is anti-Semitic for Trump to protect Jews on college campuses by acknowledging that anti-Semites treat them as a people despite their religiosity. I've been told by left-wing Jews, by the way, left-wing Jews who aren't religious, secular Jews, how dare you connect Jewishness with Judaism? How dare you, Ben Shapiro, connect, you keep saying that you are more Jewish if you actually care about Judaism? How dare you? I'm just as much of a Jew as you are. Right. You're just as much of an ethnic Jew as I am. But there's another element, which is religious Judaism. So I've been criticized for, for conflating Jewishness with Jewish, with Jewish religion, right? And I'm not saying that it's exclusively Jewish religion, but yes, Jewish religion plays a part. And how Jewish you are, obviously, in terms of your practice or your philosophy or your ideology. But left-wing Jews will say, you know, you you have no more basis to speak about Judaism than I do, even though I've never read the Bible and don't care about Judaism. Now, they're taking precisely the opposite tack. Now they are saying that if, if Trump says what they say, right, if Trump says, Right, Jewishness is about more than just your religious practice. They go, oh, anti-Semitic. Now you're labeling us a people apart, and now you're preparing an anti-Semitic attack. Wait until you hear this unbelievable idiocy, which, by the way, is also a complete perversion of the nature of an executive order designed to protect Jews on college campuses who are very much under attack on college campuses right now. Okay, we'll get to all of this in just one second. Trump broke people's brains. People have lost their damn minds. We'll get to that in one second first. Let's talk about a sad reality. Two out of three dudes are going to experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they are 35. And once that hair is gone, the chances of it coming back en masse pretty much nil. That is why you need to keep the hair that you have. And there is good news. With today's advancements in science, Keeps offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and help you keep the hair you have at half the cost of your local pharmacy. You don't have to go broke to avoid going bald. Keeps offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. Plus, some of you may have tried them before, but not for this price. Keeps now offers a prescription shampoo also to keep your scalp healthy as well. Prevention is key, and Keeps treatment really does work. Again, these are FDA-approved treatments. You are just getting them a lot cheaper through Keeps because you're cutting out the middleman. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just 10 bucks a month, plus... For a limited time, you can get your first month for free. That's a hell of a deal for getting to keep your hair. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Ben to receive your first month of treatment for free. That is K-E-E-P-S dot slash Ben, keeps.com slash Ben. Okay, so every Jew ever until like apparently this moment has understood that being a Jew is a few separate things that are all together, right? It is a religion. Judaism is a religion. Judaism is also a nationality in, in the sense of it's a shared ancestry. If your mother is Jewish under Jewish law, then you are Jewish. It is also a race in the sense that, again, it is a shared ancestry, right? And a, and to, to be considered a philosophical Jew, you have to buy into the religion. To be considered an ethnic Jew, you do not have to buy into the religion. For purposes of anti-Semites, it doesn't matter. As long as you have any sense of Judaism and you are ethnically Jewish in any way, anti-Semites will come after you. And this is what secular Jews have found out throughout history. Throughout history, this has been the truth. Okay, so the left wing comes out in force against Trump's EO designed to protect Jews, calling Trump the real anti-Semite. To so the same people who 24 hours from now will be completely ignoring the black Hebrew-Israelite massacre at this kosher supermarket, they will be, the, the same exact people are going to be ripping on Trump as an anti-Semite for promulgating an EO that protects Jews on college campuses. You cannot make this bleep up. You cannot make it up. Okay, so you get Justin Amash, who generally I have liked, right? Justin Amash the libertarian from from Michigan, he tweets out, Jewish Americans are American. Yeah, no bleep, dude. And guess what? So are black Americans. They're also protected by Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. Like, if you say that black people are a race in the United States, that does not mean that they are a people apart from Americans. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Okay, and then you get, and then you get Biana Golodryga, right, who's a CNN senior analyst. And she tweets out, the intent may be admirable, but the defining label is very Soviet. Because the Soviets used to put on their on their passports that if you were Jewish, they would define your nationality not as Soviet, but as Jewish. Okay, but that's not what Trump is doing here. What the hell are you talking about? He's acknowledging that Judaism, that being a Jew, is not just being a religious Jew, but if you are a secular Jew, if you are an ethnic Jew, that you are also counted as Jew for purposes of protection under Title VI of the Civil Rights Act. He's not saying you're a people apart to be deported or some such crap. I mean, what the hell? Like, We're now going to pretend that Jews are not a nationality? That Jews are not a nation? Literally, Israel is called Am Yisrael, not the state of Israel, the people of Israel. The people of Israel has been a thing. Okay, this is crazy. Andrea Pitzer, who writes books on the concentration camps, she actually tweeted out, hey, you know, this whole thing where an authoritarian personality who's embraced white supremacists on staff decides to designate Jews a separate population category might have some ramifications down the line. The hell is wrong with you? Jews are so now you've got secular Jews who were telling me five seconds ago that I was putting too much focus on Jewish philosophy and religion in terms of how I define Jewishness, saying that unless you define it as only religion, you are now a white supremacist who is a Nazi. Have you lost your damn mind? Are you out of your mind? What the hell are you talking about? This is crazy. Okay, And this was this was the hot trending meme on Twitter last night. It was the hot meme on Twitter last night. You have to be so ignorant like, read a damn book, you idiots. Zach Beauchamp, who, Matt Iglesias is the Ralph Wiggum of the internet over at Vox.com. Zach Beauchamp is like his more ignorant younger brother. He tweeted out the leader of a heavily Christian party using a nonsensical definition of Judaism to justify a policy that would be disproportionately used to silence speech from young Muslims. It's too much. Are you a crazy person? Are you a a nonsensical definition of, of Judaism? Again, that's always been the definition of Judaism. What in the hell are you talking about? Ishan Tharur said, we live in an age where Jews who support BDS are anti-Semites and white nationalists who back Israel are not. So now Trump is an an anti-Semite because he apparently wants Jews to be protected on college campuses. But Jews who support BDS are not anti-Semites because they are ethnic Jews and therefore cannot be anti-Semitic. Okay, so you can't have it both ways. Either the ethnic Judaism is actually a thing Or it's not a thing. You can't, like, this is utterly nonsensical. People hit their heads or they're just damn liars, which is really what this is about. Abba Ibn, who is the former foreign minister of Israel, one of the great voices in in Jewish history, he was asked about Judaism at one point by Mike Wallace. He said, it's a religion, it's a peoplehood, it's a civilization, it's a faith, it's a memory. It is a world of thought and spirit and action, and it cannot be restrictively defined. This is so insane. Erin Biba, another one of these journalists, she suggested that this was the predicate for the Nuremberg Laws. So you're now denying, secular Jews are now apparently denying they are Jews in order to own own Trump. Well done, everyone. Well done, everyone. By the way, now you look at the executive order. And what does the executive order do? It codifies the exact same definitions used by the Obama Department of Education. <laughs> the exact same definitions. Exact, exact same ones. And points out that if you discriminate against Jews on campus, that's a bad thing. And then you should lose your federal funding. For this, Trump is being labeled an anti-Semite. And also the anti-Semites don't exist in New York, according to Mayor Bill de Blasio, because they're not white supremacists. Yeah, me thinks that the left does not take anti-Semitism very seriously. Me thinks that the same left that cheers Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib open anti-Semites, Jew haters all. The same left that that pats Jeremy Corbyn, a Jew hater, on the head. By by the way, Jeremy Corbyn's party could theoretically be in power by by this time tomorrow. Jeremy Corbyn is so anti-Semitic that the chief rabbi of Israel condemned the labor party. 85% 85% of Jews will vote against labor even though Jews tend to vote liberal in, in Great Britain. Anti-Semitism is on the rise, but the left doesn't care about that. They, they literally do not care about it so long as it comes from the left. It's only a tool to be wielded against people they disagree with politically. We'll get to more of this in just one second. Plus, we'll get to all the impeachment-related stuff and everything. First, I've needed coffee this month. I will be honest with you. There's been a lot of news. And also, my kids have been waking me up at inordinately early hours. That means I need my coffee. Which coffee do I use? You know which coffee. I use Black Rifle Coffee all month long. Black Rifle Coffee is releasing awesome product bundles. By the way, the people who run Black Rifle Coffee, they are awesome dudes, military guys. They give some of their money to military causes. They're, they're just, they're they're spectacular guys. I mean, I, I know them, I like them, and their coffee happens to be unbelievably good. Right now, Black Rifle Coffee is releasing autumn product awesome product bundles. It's a one-stop shop for everyone on your list. I mean, it, it is just... The the coffee, by the way, again, again, it is fantastic. They have a special limited edition holiday roast that is excellent. Their coffee is not for the weak-minded. I mean, this is strong stuff and it is good stuff. It tastes really good. I'm sort of, I'm a little bit of a coffee aficionado. I can tell you that Black Rifle Coffee is excellent stuff. When you drink Black Rifle Coffee, you're also supporting a company that serves coffee and culture to those who truly love America. This holiday season, choose America's coffee. Choose Black Rifle Coffee Company. Visit. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Ben to get 20% off your first purchase. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Ben. And again, you are going to be helping people who actually share your viewpoint on the United States. These are not weak-minded people who are going to be writing pig on coffee cups like you might at a Starbucks. No, these are these are people they are pro-military. They are pro-police. They are they are hardcore dudes. Go check out BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Ben. Get your hardcore coffee from them. They, they're, they're just great. Okay, so. What exactly is in this executive order? So we were informed by the New York Times it was going to quash free speech and also that it was President Trump doing something totally wild about Jewish nationality, which again is insane, insane. OK, here's what the executive order actually says. I'm reading it right now. By the authority vested in me as president, of the con- uh, by, as president, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, it's hereby ordered as follows. One, my administration is committed to combating the rise of anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic incidents in the United States and around the world. Anti Semitic incidents have increased since 2013, and students in particular continue to face anti Semitic harassment in schools and on university and college campuses. Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 prohibits discrimination on the basis of race, color, and national origin in programs and activities receiving federal financial assistance. While Title VI does not cover discrimination based on religion, individuals who face discrimination on the basis of race, color, or national origin do not lose protection under Title VI for also being a member of a group that shares common religious practices. Discrimination against Jews may give rise to a Title VI violation when the discrimination is based on an individual's race, color, or national origin. It shall be the policy of the executive branch to enforce Title VI against prohibited forms of discrimination rooted in anti Semitism as vigorously as against all other forms of discrimination prohibited by Title VI. And then they, they talk about how they are going to define all of this. The non-legally binding working definition of antisemitism adopted on May 26, 2016, by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance which states, "Antisemitism is a certain perception of Jews which may be expressed as hatred toward Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of antisemitism are directed toward Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and/or their property, toward Jewish community institutions and religious facilities." And the contemporary examples of antisemitism identified by the International Holocaust Remembrance Association to the extent those examples are useful. Agency shall not diminish or infringe upon any rights protected under federal law or the First Amendment. So this isn't even going to crack down on anti-Israel speech. It is specifically designed to go after anti-Semitic conduct on college campuses. Again, in line with the Obama Department of Education. There's not even a mention of Israel anywhere in the EO. Nowhere. And this drove people off the edge because people have lost their damn minds and because apparently, Trump bad, Trump bad man, orange bad, very bad, Trump bad man, orange. Just, just utter utter crazy towns, utter crazy towns. Okay, now, meanwhile, the impeachment effort moves forward. If you think that Trump derangement syndrome ain't a thing, the entire first half of the show has been about Trump derangement syndrome, okay? Now, Trump derangement syndrome in practice. So the impeachment is moving forward despite the fact that Democrats don't actually have grounds for the impeachment. Doug Collins of Georgia, he said yesterday, and he is correct, that the grounds for impeachment are not only weak, they are pretty, pretty much undefined. Here is Doug Collins pointing out that the abuse of power charge is about as vague as it gets.
1: Abuse of power is the most ambiguous, uh, vague reference to a, an impeachment that you could ever have. You can make it anything you want. You don't like the president got up and wore a red tie. That's abuse of power. You don't like, as Eric Swalwell, oh, former presidential, former president Eric Swalwell said, you don't, uh, can be impeached for removing an ambassador. I don't know what, he, what planet he's living on, but that's not uh, an impeachable offense. But abuse of power will give you that.
0: Okay. And that is exactly right. By the way, even Democrats are recognizing that these things are incredibly vague and you're seeing an an argument break out on the left over impeachment. Should we have broadened this out to include the Mueller stuff just so we can kind of throw the kitchen sink in there? Should we have been more specific? Should we have waited for more information? Like the Democrats are in disarray over what exactly this impeachment means. So you have representative Stephen Lynch pointing out on CNN. Yeah, this is, this is pretty nebulous and fuzzy. I do think you need to be very specific about what you're charging the president with. And I, I think that abuse of power
1: is, uh, you know, it uh, is it's a little bit fuzzier. It's sort of nebulous. So, uh, you know, I, I think there were probably elements of, of, you know, a conspiracy to commit bribery that were clearly, uh,
0: uh, you know, articulated during the during the uh, depositions. Okay, so he's saying we should have gone with bribery. The problem is they didn't have the elements of bribery, so they couldn't go with bribery. On this basis, Mitch McConnell in the Senate, he's saying, listen, there are not 67 votes here. There aren't 50 votes here. Here's Mitch McConnell saying this ain't going nowhere.
1: I would be totally surprised if there were 67 senators to remove the president. Uh, That remains my view. Uh, However, we are obligated under the Constitution to turn to it when it comes over, and we will.
0: Okay, on this basis... A small group of Democrats in the House are recognizing that this is a loser. The polls are turning against impeachment. People don't think there's much there there. And they certainly don't think that this is worthy of impeachment as a general rule. Like the people who hate Trump want him impeached. But that's just because they don't want him to be president. Not because they actually believe that this amounts to an impeachable offense. Which is why Democrats in swing districts are actually militating against impeachment and in favor of censure. Which would have been the Democrats' strongest move here, right? They would have had to put the Republicans on record either backing Trump's play or not backing Trump's play, but without any real ramifications for Trump other than sort of general political disapproval. Now, because they reached for impeachment on this thing, they're not going to get anything from any Republicans, and even swing Democrats are a little bit uneasy about this. A group of about 10 lawmakers, according to Politico, including Representatives Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey, Kurt Schrader of Oregon, Anthony Brindisi of New York, and Ben McAdams of Utah, they say, yeah, censure would have been a better play here. Schrader said, I think it's certainly appropriate and might be a little more bipartisan. Who knows? He said time is slipping by, but apparently the, the moderate Democrats are not going to get what they want. Instead, Nancy Pelosi has already ruled out censure, so they're going to go for broke even though they don't actually have the goods here. Okay, in just a second, we're going to get to President Trump's reaction to all of this. He was rallying in Pennsylvania last night, and uh, the man has brass ones. We'll talk about that in just one second. First, let us talk about how you manage your family Online. The fact is that if you have kids, you do have to figure out how much screen time you want to give them. So the rules for the pe- pediatricians suggest no screen time until they are age two, but then they're age two. So what exactly do you do to make sure that your kids are not on screens all day long like you, right? You don't want to be on a screen all day long, but you're an adult. Your brain is fully developed. Your kids, not so much. This is why you need Circle. Circle is the award winning way to manage your family's online time across all connected devices inside and outside your home. With Circle, Parents can filter what content is allowed, set limits for screen time, monitor history and usage, even reward kids for good behavior. Just plug Circle Home Plus into your router, download the app, and you can keep track across every connected device from laptops, phones and tablets, to smart TVs, streaming devices, and video game consoles, all from one place. You would do anything for your kids, so do something that is easy and that is going to help them a lot in life and in just their their day-to-day existence, and that is restricting their screen time, making sure that what they see is the stuff they should be seeing, so that they're not stumbling into bad stuff on the internet right now. Our listeners get a limited time offer of 30 bucks off of a Circle Home Plus when you visit meetcircle.com slash Ben and enter code Ben at checkout. Again, 30 bucks off when you visit meetcircle.com slash Ben. That's meetcircle.com slash Ben and enter code Ben at checkout. That's M-E-E-T, circle.com slash Ben. meetcircle.com slash Ben and enter code Ben to save $30. Okay, we're going to get to President Trump's reaction to all of the impeachment-related activity momentarily. First, we have a perfect gift for you to give this holiday season. It is the gift of me. I mean, I'm a great gift. Every night I go home, I wrap myself up in a bow and I, well, we're not going to go there. In any case, the gift of a Daily Wire membership can be a gift that you give to all your best friends, including your friends on the left, because they need education. From now until January 1st, all Insider Plus gift memberships will be 25% off. This means your loved one will get all the fantastic perks, plus the majestic Leftist Tears tumbler. Ooh, ah, and you will receive the savings. Head on over to dailyware.com for as little as 10 bucks a month. You get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts, our full show library, select bonus content, and our exclusive DailyWire app, which is a pretty awesome feature if you haven't checked it out yet. If you get that new all-access plan, you will get all of these things, plus the legendary Leftist Tears Tumblr and our brand new Ask Me Anything-style discussion feature that allows you to engage our hosts, writers, and special guests on a weekly basis. So stop depriving yourself and come join the fun. Again, that is 25% off all Insider Plus gift memberships this holiday season. Give them a gift. They will thank you for all year long. Go to dailywire.com slash gift to get your 25% off. Again, that is dailywire.com slash gift to get your 25% off. Do not wait. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so the Democrats, as you can see, are, are just in a bit of disarray with regard to exactly how they should approach this thing. So you've got Thomas Friedman saying you must impeach Trump to save America. Thomas Friedman, who's most often seen basically world traveling at the behest of particular governments and then then writing sophomoric drool pieces about those governments. So he'll visit China. They'll put him up in a nice hotel. be like, China is the wave of the future. Then he'll head over to Iran and they'll put him up in a nice hotel. He'll be like, the Iranian people love the Americans. And then he'll head on over to Saudi Arabia and do the exact same thing. He's... Thomas Friedman's terrible. In any case, Thomas Friedman has a column today saying, President Trump not only should be impeached, he must be impeached if America's democracy is to remain intact. Why? Because the facts here are not in doubt. Indeed, Trump's allies in the media and Congress have largely given up disputing them. Trump held up congressionally directed taxpayer funding to strengthen Ukraine's military aid against Russia until the new Ukrainian president agreed to do what Trump called a favor, announced that Ukraine was investigating Trump's most likely opponents in the 2020 presidential election, Trump apparently thought that just the announcement would kill Biden's campaign in its crib. Well, I mean, apparently thought is you making the assumption that is critical to the impeachment case, Thomas Friedman. And then he suggests that we, we need impeachment because if we don't have impeachment, then the election of 2020 will be illegitimate. The, the integrity of our elections would be shattered. We would never again have a legitimate president, according to Thomas Friedman, if Trump is not impeached. Again, this is setting the narrative for the Democrats that if Trump wins in 2020, then it's not legit. Again, I've been saying for the past week, this is dangerous stuff. The Democrats thought this was dangerous stuff as of 2015. Now the Democrats have refused to accept any election they lose. All elections they lose are stolen from them. And all elections they win are the will of the people. But the, the actual argument over exactly how broad or narrow the impeachment should be is a rich one. Jamel Bowie over at New York Times, he has more confidence in the ability of Democrats to come up with impeachable offenses than the Democrats do. He has a piece today called Two Articles of Impeachment for Trump, are nowhere near enough. The House should take its own sweet time and investigate many more aspects of the President's perfidious behavior. Well, don't you think that if the Democrats thought they were going to be able to dig something up, they'd actually be able to do it? And they would do it? The answer is n- the answer is no. The answer is that they, they don't actually think they can do it. So they're not doing it. So that is wishful thinking by Jamel Bowie. And then you have other Democrats saying this is too narrow and too vague. We don't actually know what we're doing. So it's a bit of chaos on the Democratic side. This has led President Trump to the belief that he is inevitable. So... I'm still amused by the fact that members of the media are going crazy over Trump's memery on Twitter. The man is a meme machine on Twitter. He's a boomer meme machine. He's actually Silent Generation meme machine. He puts out these, these hilarious memes on his own Twitter account. Some of them are hilarious. Some of them are off-putting. But he's been doing this since the very beginning because his Twitter account is a place of fun and gimmicks. So you remember that the media went nuts, went nuts for a, a, a picture that we created at Daily Wire and that he retweeted of himself putting a medal on the dog that chased down al-Baghdadi in a cave before al-Baghdadi blew himself up. And the media went nuts. They fact-checked it. Fact-checked. Trump did not actually put medal on dog. He did not give dog. Medal of pawner. Okay, well, now the media are going nuts. Why? Because Trump retweeted a tweet from the Trump War Room account, which is a meme of President Trump snapping his fingers like Thanos. It's actually a meme of Thanos with Trump's head on him, snapping his fingers and making the Democrats who were calling for his impeachment disappear. Here's what that sounded like.
2: I am inevitable. On this solemn
0: day, I'm, I recall that the first order of business for members of <laughs> okay, so, it's just a funny, stupid meme. Like, who cares, right? So, th- my favorite, my favorite response to this. Was Democrats being, well, you know what happened to Thanos? He ends up losing at the end. Yes, this is also a popular online meme. It's been popular since the first part of the, of the latest Avengers movie came out. Like, come on, come on. So CNN's Don Lemon is in high dudgeon about this. Are we in junior high? Are we. Okay, why don't you go back to uh, simulating sexual acts with Kathy Griffin on New Year's Eve on CNN? Are we in junior high, Don Lemon? He has his his buddy cop show with chris cuomo every evening where they say sophomoric idiocies but apparently are we in junior yes we're in junior high and you're part of the group and we all get it yes that yes we are in the answer is yes we're in junior high the last time anybody referenced frederick hayek was 30 years ago guys nobody's read a book yes we are in junior high here's don lemon
2: what what are we in junior high school like what the hell what is this Like, what? What?
1: (laughs) I I cannot believe that I'm even having to report this on the news.
0: I I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm not taking a break with Kathy Griffin simulating sexual acts on New Year's Eve to to report this on the news. I should be having a very serious conversation with block of wood Chris Cuomo right now about the legality of impeachment, not about a Trump suit. Why do I even have to... First of all, aren't you the anchor? You don't have to report it. You could just ignore it. Instead, hi, Dudgeon. Trump tweeted out a meme. No, not a meme. <laughs> Come on. Are we all going to feign outrage about this? Trump is Trump. Have you not noticed that for like the past several decades? Trump has not changed since he was a very, very young man. Since birth, perhaps. He is now in his seventh decade on this planet. Yes, yes we are in junior high and you are part of the group and just because, it, listen, Don, you're not going to make Fetch a thing. You're not going to make Fetch a thing. Okay, meanwhile, President Trump was giving a rally in Pennsylvania and honestly, he seems like he's in a bit of a good mood because Trump actually likes the combat, right? This is the thing about Trump. He's most comfortable when he is in these combative situations. So, here was Trump last night in Pennsylvania looking rather jolly because he's in front of a very large crowd. This is his favorite place to be. Is in front of a large crowd of his supporters going at his enemies. Here is Trump going after Joe Biden.
2: Hey, Do you ever notice where Biden keeps saying he's in the wrong state? Like if he's in Ohio, it's great to be in Iowa tonight. If he's in Pennsylvania, it's wonderful to be in the state of Delaware. What is wrong with this guy? What's wrong with him? There's something wrong. Okay, there's something wrong. No, he he keeps. How many times can you do that?
0: Again, this is Trump's favorite thing. He's going to continue trolling, 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 though the river's swollen. Keep them doggies trolling. Trump, hide. So here, President Trump also trolled the Democrats on impeachment. And he's in a very good mood because the impeachment is not going to pass. It's not going anywhere in the Senate. The Democrats have basically emptied their cannon. I mean, they, they, what else do they have that they can throw at Trump other than the same old, same old? Now, does that mean that Trump is winning right now? Well, according to the national polls, no. In the state polls, He's still pretty durable, apparently, in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. Wisconsin and Michigan, particularly, he's very durable, according to the state polls. Nationally, he's still trailing every single Democrat, according to the latest polls. But he is in a good mood because the thing, it's not going to go anywhere. It isn't. I mean, basically, this thing is drawing to its sad conclusion. Here is President Trump going after the Democrats on impeachment.
2: Any Democrat that votes for this sham will be voting to sacrifice the House majority, their dignity,
0: and their career. Okay, so there is there is President Trump going after them, Dem- and again, correctly going after the Democrats on impeachment. He says Democrats are even embarrassed of this stupid impeachment. Now, I don't think that Nancy Pelosi has the capacity for embarrassment. Frankly, I don't think Trump has the capacity for embarrassment. I think the era of embarrassment is over, but here's President Trump saying that if the Democrats had any brains, they would be.
2: He announced impeachment, and then an hour later, She announced that she's going to do USMCA. You know why? It's a huge deal. And it plays down the impeachment because they're embarrassed by the impeachment. And our poll numbers have gone through the roof because of her stupid impeachment.
0: Okay, so he is correct about this. Meanwhile, his attorney general is going after his own FBI. So as we have mentioned earlier this week, there was this inspector general report from the DOJ that came out. We've gone through it in a fair bit of detail on the podcast and the radio show. And that IG report was pretty damning for the FBI, showing systemic errors throughout the system. And it's interesting. So the, the, the mainstream media headline was that the Inspector General Michael Horowitz had found that there was no bias inside the FBI with regard to these cases. As I pointed out, that was not actually true. It just, the, the only standard that was being used by Michael Horowitz was, did it meet the baseline level of legality? Meaning that if the people who were biased could make a claim that they were doing something legal— was that enough? And that was the standard used. So, just as proof of this, today, Horowitz testified in front of the, in front of the Senate, I believe. And he was asked, can you say that it wasn't because of the political bias, the 17 Carter Page FISA errors, for example? His answer was, I do not know. Which is true. He doesn't know. Okay, so President Trump was going hard after the FBI last night, saying that the scum at the FBI destroyed people's lives. Presumably, he is talking here about George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. Right. Who were who are dragged through the mud over what apparently amounted to nothing. Here's Trump last night.
2: The FBI also sent multiple undercover human spies to surveil and record people associated with our campaign. Look how they've hurt people. They've destroyed the lives of people that were great people that are still great people. Their lives
0: have been destroyed by scum. OK, by scum. Okay, well, you know, were these people scum or were they or were they just bad at their jobs, whatever the motives, it is pretty obvious that the divide in America is going to grow larger. William Barr the Attorney General rightly suggests that the FBI launched this probe into an actual opposing political campaign on flimsy evidence. So, he he made a statement about the IG report basically saying, "We disagree that this investigation ever should have been launched. The IG was only finding whether a baseline level, a very, it actually says the words low level in the IG report. A low level of suspicion is necessary to launch an investigation. And Barr says even that low level, by my likes, was not met. He says the FBI launched this thing on the basis of nearly nothing.
1: Presidential campaigns are frequently in contact with foreign persons. And indeed, in most campaigns, there are signs of illegal foreign money coming in. And we don't automatically assume uh, that the campaigns are nefarious and traitors, and acting in league with foreign powers. There has to be some basis before we use these very potent powers in our core First Amendment activity. And here, uh, I felt this was very flimsy.
0: Okay, and then William Barr also suggested that the Trump campaign was spied on. So last night, the media were saying, no, Trump, Trump claimed that he was spied on by the FBI? That's nonsense. He wasn't spied on. Here's Barr saying, no, when, when you send confidential human sources to infiltrate a candidate's campaign— And when you wiretap members of his foreign policy aid team in an attempt to get him, that kind of is spying, is it not?
1: Oh, it's clearly spied upon. I mean, that's what electronic surveillance is. I think wiring people up to go in and talk to people and make recordings of their conversations is spying. I think going through people's emails, which they did as a result of the FISA warrant, they went through everything, you know, from from Page's life. Uh, because He know. wasn't in the campaign at the point where nobody on the surveillance. Yes, but his emails were go
0: back. OK, well, Lindsey Graham just asked Michael Horowitz in testimony whether this was spying. He said, let's put it this way. If you don't have a legal foundation to surveil somebody and you keep doing it, is that bad? And Horowitz said, absolutely. And Graham said, is that spying? And Horowitz said, it's illegal surveillance. Yeah, that, that, that's spying. <laughs> that's so we're supposed to believe that the IG report rejected Trump. It didn't. It rejected the activities of the FBI under Barack Obama. Now, how high up that goes is still an open question. Whether this whole thing was launched under false auspices in order to get Trump, Barr has sort of implied that it was. And it's not just Barr implying that it is John Durham, who is the DA who's doing his own investigation here. That is still up in the air. Here's Barr saying that the greatest threat to American democracy was not anything Trump was doing in 2016. It was the militarization of law enforcement against Trump's campaign in 2016.
1: I think probably from a civil liberties standpoint, the greatest danger to our free system is that the incumbent government use the apparatus of the state, principally the law enforcement agencies and the intelligence agencies, both to spy on political opponents, but also to use them in a way that could affect the outcome of the election. As far as I'm aware, this is the first time in history that this has been done to a presidential campaign.
0: Okay, so Barr presumably will bring out additional evidence of this along with John Durham in the coming weeks. so we'll keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, it's nearing the end of the year, and so we get all of these awards given to various political figures. Time magazine gave its person of the year to Greta Thunberg. No shock there. Greta Thunberg has been held up by the media as an example of true activism. I believe Time magazine a couple of years ago made the Parkland kids their people of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So this is not anything shocking. It's also trollery from time trying to draw fire because they understand some people on the right will then attack Greta Thunberg and then they can use that as an excuse to say that people on the right are intolerant of children or, or whatever it is. Listen, uh, uh, Greta Thunberg is doing what is right according to her own lights. I think that she is wrong about a lot of this stuff. I don't think that what she is doing is particularly useful. I don't think that draw, driving ire about a problem that has no clear and obvious solution is particularly useful, but that's what Time Magazine does. The other one that, that, that is going to draw not nearly as much attention, but it's actually kind of more important for the, for the country and the world moving forward, Miriam websters Collegiate Dictionary has now named the word they, it's word of the year. Now you're saying to yourself, why is the word they a word of the year? Isn't that just a word that we use all the time? Ah, but it's the non-binary pronoun, it's using they as a singular, that's the word of the year. The definition of they as a non-binary pronoun was added to three other separate definitions of the word in September. Apparently, Merriam-Webster said that the word of the year winner was determined by data. Key moments cited by the, by the dictionary publisher where searches spiked were January's Paris Fashion Week featuring non-binary model Oslo Grace, U.S. Congresswoman Pramila, Pramila Jayapal's April statement about her child being gender nonconforming, and June's Pride celebrations. Emily Brewster, who's the senior editor at Merriam-Webster, said, Pronouns are among the language's most commonly used words, and like other common words, they tend to have been mostly ignored by dictionary users. But over the past year or so, as people have increasingly encountered the non-binary use, we've we've seen searches for they grow dramatically. Yes, because everyone was searching to see if everyone had lost their collective mind, and until Merriam-Webster changed the dictionary to reflect a horrible grammatical usage, the answer was no. So we have now changed the dictionary to meet the stupidity of an ideology that suggests that you can identify as multiple genders at once, or no gender at all. All of this is just sheer nonsense, but good to know that the authoritative institutions in our society are bowing before it. Okay, time for a thing that I hate. We'll do some things I hate. No things I like today, just things I hate. Okay, so good news. At the Lakers game a few nights ago, there's a singer named Lizzo, who I've really not been familiar with. And she was wearing, like, I don't even know where you get this particular outfit. Like, where is this outfit available? Because it seems like not a great outfit, to be honest with you. She was wearing what appeared to be a dress that covered her front. Then she turned around when she saw she was on camera. And it turns out that she was wearing a thong. And she started shaking her rather ample rear, which is not, listen, you know, beautiful is in many sizes. But she, she begins shaking her, her groove thing while wearing a thong in the face of the camera to be put up on the billboard. So she basically does a stripper act, and she's twerking on the billboard. If you can't see this here, she is dancing, and um, and then suddenly you have her twerking, doing a fully sexualized twerk in a thong at the Lakers game, and people laughing and cheering. Oh, the hysterical joy of all of this. Now, if you point out that you probably should not— like, you wouldn't have strippers at a game. Like, strippers at a game— actually twerking on the dance floor would be a bad one, right? There are lots of kids in the crowd. It's not appropriate for children. The fact that this is considered good behavior is beyond me, or that this is empowering. I- I'm confused why it's empowering more than just shameless, right? Shame seems like a per- like guilt. Guilt seems like a perfectly fine thing. If you're doing something that affects children, like if you if you get naked in front of children at a Lakers game, that doesn't seem empowering as much as it just seems like you being incredibly self-absorbed and not thinking about anybody whose eyeballs are on the screen. But in any case, this was seen as a sign of body positivity, specifically because she is ample, right? Because she is not a skinny woman, because she is not a, a, a an in shape human being. This is now seen as empowering because she's comfortable in her own body. Well, listen, I'm glad for her that she feels secure in her own body. She's made a lot of money off of off of her talents. I, I don't know her talents because I'm not familiar with her work, but the fact that that this is now seen as a form of empowerment. Let's put it this way. If you're an overweight person and you required Lizzo taking off her the back of her dress and shaking her rather large butt in a, in a thong in order for you to feel better about yourself, I would suggest that you surround yourself with family and friends who care about you. Because, um, no, no. Okay, other things that I hate today. So Megan Rapino was given the Sports Illustrated Person of the Year or Athlete of the Year... Not a shock. She had a great Women's World Cup. Also, she happens to be a political figure, and Sports Illustrated has become, uh, effectively speaking, Time Magazine with basketballs. Uh, and, you know, just like ESPN has become MSNBC with footballs. So, Sports Illustrated gives the, the sports person of the year to Megan Rapino, deserved on the sports level, not really deserved on the political level, and they get exactly what they deserve. Megan Rapino then rips into Sports Illustrated. Which th- th- I should have put this under things I like, frankly, because I do like this. I think that when people get exactly what they deserve, it's quite wonderful. So according to Mediaite, she got up and, she's, and it's, they, apparently they say as one of just four women to win the Sports Person of the Year award, she wasted no time in putting Sports Illustrated in the hot seat, saying in an acceptance speech, is it truth that I'm only the fourth woman deserving of this award? I don't think so. Is it true so few writers of color deserve to be featured in this publication? No. Is it true so few women's voices deserve to be heard and deserve to be read in this publication? I don't think so. So she's being given an award for her social justice activism and she immediately swivels and clocks the people giving her the award, suggesting that they are in fact a bunch of sexists, that they haven't given more awards to women in the past. So first of all, I just said, I think that on a comparative level, she's deserving of the award. Who else would be deserving of the award last year? There are a few other people, maybe, but the fact is, And she's as deserving as anybody in her sphere, right? If you are ranking people by their sphere. If we were just going to go like athlete of the year, like best athlete of the last year, it would never be a woman. Like literally ever. The reason being the bell curve for physical performance when you get to the very edge of the bell curve is all men because men are built differently than women. But if we are talking about in their respective sports, people who are important to their particular industry, of course, Megan Rapinoe deserves the award. With that said, the fact that she is now dictating to Sports Illustrated how they ought to staff editorially is amazing to me. And I kind of love it. I kind of love the fact that these Sports Illustrated SJW woke idiots who are like, Megan Rapinoe, we have to give her the award because she so, she hates Trump. She talks about gay marriage. She says that America sucks. She'll kneel for the, oh my God. So, so much heroing, so much heroism. And then she's like, well, how about you guys? How about you guys? You sexists, you brutal, vicious, racist, white, patriarchal sexists. You need more women writing for your magazine. Okay, got an idiot. I think that she should be made the editor of Sports Illustrated. Sports Illustrated should now go all the way. They've been called out by a person woker than they are. And that means they, she should be the honorary editor. They made her the honorary sports person of the year in part because of her politics. Why not put her in, tar- in charge of your editorial policy? You can fire all of the writers who are male who are good. And you can hire women, whether they are qualified or not. And then you will have achieved some sort of real parity. That'll be great. In November of last year, by the way, she won the Glamour Woman of the Year Award. And then she went after Glamour too, right? She said, well, I'm enjoying all of this unprecedented and frankly, a little bit uncomfortable attention. Okay, first of all, the idea that Megan Rapinoe is uncomfortable with attention. If you believe that, I mean, really, you, your head is as empty as a, as an airplane hanger in the middle of the day, if you believe that, that Megan Rapinoe is uncomfortable with attention. This is a person who is attention-seeking beyond all people. But she says... She, she's enjoying all this unprecedented and frankly a little bit uncomfortable attention and personal success in large part due to my activism off the field. Colin Kaepernick is effectively banned. She says, I see no clearer example of that system being alive and well than me standing before you right now. She said this at Glamour. The fact that she won an award, I'm going to use this opportunity to rip on Glamour because you guys didn't do enough for Colin Kaepernick. Uh, here's the thing. Once you give the SJWs an inch, they will. It, the alligator will eat you. It may eat you last, but the faster you get in the in the alligator's crosshairs, by the way, the faster you're in the line of sight of the SJW alligator, the faster you're gonna get eaten. So Sports Illustrated got the treatment, glamour got the treatment, love it, love it. I only hope that Megan Rapino continues to do this. I, I hope she continues to wipe the floor with all of the SJW editors who worship at her altar, and then they come before her to kiss the ring, and she immediately slaps them, she backhands them across the faces if only you were more woke if only you were more woke i think the only the only uh, automatically under under article 29 of the constitution of the united states she has now become the editor of sports illustrated it's sort of like the it's sort of like the old code of chivalry that, that if you if you had a a fight with somebody someone throw down throws it it's the king's justice you throw down the gauntlet if you have the fight then you get to take the other person's land i think it's like that if you invite megan rapino to receive an award from you She receives the award, and then she beats the crap out of you. She now inherits your magazine, so she should be the editor of Sports Illustrated and Glamour. She should be the the ombudsman of ESPN. Why the hell not? She knows better than you, because she plays soccer and is woke. You deserve all of this, Sports Illustrated, every little bit of it. Alrighty, we'll be back here later today for two additional hours of content. Plus, we'll be back here tomorrow. It's still the middle of the week. We'll get there together. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. (laughs) The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Rebecca Dobkowitz, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, supervising producers Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, technical producer Austin Stevens, associate producer Colton Haas, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Caromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera, production assistant Nick Sheehan. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. President Trump is riding high on an impeachment approval rating bump. But the administration
1: isn't resting on its laurels. From the campaign to the DOJ to foreign policy, Trump is getting more aggressive in taking on his adversaries, demonstrating
0: an eternal political truth. If you come at the king, you best not miss. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just thirty five bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, fifteen gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot.